0: Give this boy a beer, my dear.
1: Aye, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I like her too. Aye, aye, aye. Rain it in, Mr. Loverman. Hmm? Afternoon. Ah, you finally reach. Yeah, sorry, I should have turned up a day early like you did. Got you there, Sarge. <laughs> uh, so who we waiting for? Didi and Joe. Oh, I should have guessed. Hello. Good.
0: Right, well, let's sit down and nibble on some at least, eh? am that hungry, I could eat the legs off a low-flying pigeon. <laughs>
1: The talk of the street, talk of the street, the talk of the street, talk of the street, the talk of the street, talk of the street, the talk of the
0: street, talk of the street.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 282 of the Talk of the Sheep, an unofficial coordination sheet catcher podcast that thinks it was poor form for the social worker to ruin the winter brown's fake Christmas day and surely she could have waited until fake boxing day, I'm Gavin.
0: And I for one am appalled at the high price of hair dryers in Weatherfield.
1: Oh, how much is it?
0: 300 quid! <laughs> Do
1: you get a free TV with a hair dryer?
0: I don't know, you have to ask Tony. Tony? Tony. Tony is the one who said his little girl wanted a hair dryer. That costs 300 quid for her Christmas. Yes. I hope it, Tony. I hope it. Oh,
1: how quickly I forget.:
0: I hope it's lined in gold. Mm-hmm. I hope it comes with a massager, but not like that.
1: This little girl's expectations of her father, who is just out of prison, Right. seem a little bit unrealistic, don't yeah. you think?
0: Surely. surely a hairdryer could be found on the streets of Weatherfield for, say, 15 to 20 quid.
1: Well, let me just see how much a hairdryer costs from Argos. Oh God, 329 quid.
0: That's not true.
1: For a Dyson. You can get a corner for 1175.
0: Right, thank you. <laughs> and who needs a Dyson hairdryer?
1: Dyson stuff is pretty good.
0: At, until it's not.
1: Until it breaks, yeah.
0: Until it's not. Because we still have this dead Dyson... Oh, we never clog vacuum cleaner sitting in the middle of our living room, which you promised me last weekend you were gonna chuck in the bin. Oh well. Dyson sucks.
1: But Until not it like doesn't. That. Not like that.
0: <laughs> I do like the hair the hand dryers though. Supposedly what
1: I don't like about the hand dryers is that they're so powerful it makes my old elderly man's skin <laughs> ripple down to my fingertips. It's like they need ironed or something like that.
0: Yeah. Things don't have to be fancy schmancy high tech to work. The best things in the world work without the fancy schmancyness. Oh, really? Yeah, like our Roomba. The Roomba's good. The Roomba is good.
1: Anyway, and he's of this. friendly. And that's <laughs> a so heel, apparently. How are you?
0: I'm all right. I'm tired. I feel overwhelmed. Things are crazy. Nothing seems to stop. I'm pulling my hair out cat has a cyst. My mom had yet another heart ablation, but I'm fine.
1: Keeping it light. <laughs>
0: it's 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 been a it, it's already start the the holiday season has already started and I already feel like it's going to be a high anxiety holiday season this year.
1: It's December already. Yeah. We've made our uh arrangements for the Christmas break and we will be Connecticut bound, just before Christmas, and we will be back just after. So, I reckon we'll probably do a a two episode episode of the show, and then do the Christmas and New Year together, which we've done before in the past. Right. So it looks like we'll be one of them again. Not one which, of them which again. Is, which is fine. It's
0: which fine. is fine. It's fine. We I deserve do a long, break,
1: though. I long. Remember that that time we recorded on Christmas Day.
0: And the maid at the hotel interrupted us?
1: No, we recorded here.
0: Oh, on Christmas Day.
1: On Christmas Day. Oh, during
0: lockdown. Yes, you crave lockdown again. Is that I, what you're saying? I, I
1: actually do crave lockdown. <laughs> I've never been richer. <laughs> remember when my car had a flat tyre in the garage for three months and yeah. it didn't matter because it wasn't going anywhere? Right. Oh, so good. I sang Jingle Bell Rock.
0: Did you? You don't remember this? No.
1: I <laughs> bet the listeners do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, whereas this year we're paying for a roof to not get fixed anytime soon.
1: This will be the fourth time I've chased that guy up.
0: Yeah, but he said this week, and it's the end of the week.
1: I guess it was snowing.
0: One of these days it's going to really snow, and it's going to collapse the whole garage Uh, roof, and what is he going to do then?
1: Well, then we call our insurance company. Anyway, this is...
0: Fascinating stuff. This is
1: conversation for an argument, not for a (laughs) podcast, so shall we preamble you're just too
0: nice to people
1: i was fairly cheeky to him
0: (laughs) the last time in a
1: passive aggressive way because i don't (laughs) want to be too cheeky to him because he's fixing the roof well he's supposed to be fixing the roof right
0: no you've already i don't
1: want him to do a shit job of it but he's got half the money anyway
0: right he's already got half the money we need to call ed
1: (laughs) (laughs) or tony we'll pay tony
0: we will pay you tony we promise Only it'll be a dollars, not in pounds. And I don't know how that works.
1: You don't know how that works? How exchange rates work?
0: It was called a
1: joke. (laughs) Well, very nearly. (laughs) Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that I'm in trouble now, Cory News.
0: (laughs) Well, Gav very nearly made an Ofcom complaint about the zombie knife last week. 136 other people
1: oh, they did? did good
0: make an Ofcom complaint about it, and so Gav doesn't
1: have to. It was too much. I thought yeah. it was too much. That's not why I watch Coronation Street. Yeah, well... Sometimes I wonder exactly why I do watch Coronation Street. This
0: whole bullying story is not why we watch Coronation Street. It's not
1: for that. and It's not for zombie knives.
0: He's no Roy, but Maureen Lipman appears to have found some arm candy to tide her over. Stepping out publicly for the first time with new beau, David Turner, at the Oldie of the Year Awards. Hmm. Oldie of the Year Awards. Apparently, he's a uh, sports business analyst, and I don't know what that means. But they seem quite happy. So good for her.
1: Did she win the Oldie of the Year Award?
0: (laughs) No idea.
1: I remember... Rear of Oldie the Year
0: of the Year Award Who thought that was a good idea?
1: I remember Rear of the Year Award Where people, mostly women Won a prize for having the, the best bottom
0: mm, You would win that prize And I think
1: Jane Danson got Either nominated or won it one year When she was exceedingly young
0: Yeah, yeah that's, Kinda yikes That's gross man mm. That's gross but like I so said, you would win. We replaced
1: Rear of the Year with All Day of the Year. See, they Switch.
0: stopped Rear of the Year because you would win every year.
1: It's a good bit of Scottish beef this back it there. Is. I've said that before and it regretted is. it. <laughs> Just
0: want to get a mouthful. anyway. And finally, Corey Legend, Vicky, and Twistle uh, popped up in Bolton with fairy wings on this week, playing Fairy Superior in Cinderella. I don't recall fairy superior in Cinderella
1: Fairy superior?
0: Fairy superior so apparently the superior fairy which I guess would be the fairy godmother who is the only fairy in Cinderella at least the one I read
1: Is godmother not politically correct anymore?
0: Why wouldn't it be?
1: See since I turned 50 it's become so hard to keep up
0: Yeah you've become you've become Grandpa Simpson shouting yep. at clouds
1: Where's that cloud? I have a fist to shake.
0: <laughs> oh. Anyway, Becky Entwistle is playing it, and we wish the former Janice Battersby many broken legs Absolutely. this panto season. And that is Cory
1: News. And that leads us <laughs> seamlessly, as ever, into our feedback section that we call Everyone's a Critic.
0: I keep forgetting that it's the Christmas on Mars music now. I'm surprised every time.
1: I don't know why you're ruining this for me. Because <laughs> it I, sounds I,
0: I, like Christmas on Mars. I like it. It's just that I keep forgetting that the Christmas it is.
1: Where come from? Because
0: it's like, dee, 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 dee. you know, it sounds like Christmas music.
1: It sounds like hot chocolates, everyone's a winner, baby. That's what <laughs> it sounds like. Because that's what I copied. <gasps>
0: don't, did not. I, I,
1: I deny everything.
0: It's Christmas on Mars.
1: Chica wrote in to say, we need to talk about Sean. As much as I appreciate that he has blindness for the fact that he wasn't in contact with his own son, he also knows that Mason is absolutely categorically awful and chooses to just ignore the fact rather than figuring out that they're both being bullied at the same time. The writers of Coronation Street are off their heads. Agree completely.
0: Yes. Yes, they had a character this week say that a hairdryer costs $300. (laughs) So something is wrong in that writer's room.
1: But at least someone... Noticed this week. I mean, the signs have been obvious for a while, but at least someone noticed that. Yes. That poor lad is getting bullied. So. Yes. Now that's not Sean. No. And it's not really Gary, although Gary has his suspicions. Yeah, but Gary at least has too.
0: Sported. Yes, and the way things go viral on the street.
1: <laughs> right.
0: There's no way that video isn't going to get seen by adults here soon. And also, well, we'll talk about that later.
1: Sure. And then Noel wrote in to say, Well, it's been a hell of a week on the street. Cash goes missing. Expensive watches are given. Lauren and Sabrina are now besties. Children poisoned and child services lurk in the hallways. George is the best. Mason is still the worst. It goes on and on. Noel the secret American. Secret Santa. Secret Agent Man. Secret Service. Secret Squirrel. Later, skaters. Do you know what? I think he has us in the palm of his hand.
0: Wait, 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 wait. His name is Noel. Are we are we corresponding with Father Christmas?
1: That would be Noel.
0: No Noel would be Mrs. Claus.
1: Well, what's Billy Joel then?
0: That's a J, not an N. It's different.
1: Feedback is always welcome, send us your thoughts and I will probably read them out as I think I've just proved. <laughs> Get us at the, the com, or our DMs are open at Corey Podcast and now we'll podcast for coffee. <laughs> or it's our Hanukkah on Uranus music.
0: <laughs> I'm going to put something on Uranus here pretty soon.
1: <laughs> why do you think i'm sitting on the cushion (laughs) we have a new friend of the podcast welcome aboard canadian helen
0: so we now we have french helen and canadian helen
1: our collection begins (laughs) because it's not a collection when there's just one no the collection starts when you have two
0: well i guess technically we have three because i am american helen
1: Yeah, but you're not subscribing to this. You're not a friend of the podcast.
0: No, I'm just on the podcast. Mm
1: -hmm. So thank you very much, Canadian Helen. Yeah. And then we have another friend of the podcast this week.
0: We had two new friends.
1: Welcome aboard, Christy P.
0: What That's somebody else I missed now that I'm not on Twitter. Yeah. I love Christy and her librarian antics in Canada. (laughs) There you go. Aw.
1: Thank you to you both. Now, we kind of do we joke about this? I think we do joke about this, but I just want to say every time I get notification that we've got a friend of the podcast or someone has bought our coffees this week, Uh it's just such an incredible moment of the week when somebody has been kind enough to do that. Yeah. So we very, very much value this.
0: Absolutely. Positive reinforcement wherever we can get it.
1: <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like we're being blasé about this because uh, this is this is really, really incredible stuff. We're, yeah, we're absolutely. Two assholes talking about Coronation Street.
0: Speak for yourself.
1: <laughs> okay, One asshole in whatever you are talking about <laughs> Coronation Street. So for people to give up their hard-earned on a monthly basis or a one-off basis is... It's quite incredible. Yeah, so, it's lovely. Thank you so much.
0: You're keeping us in 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 cherry, Coke Zeros, and cranberry juice.
1: Absolutely. The Talk of the Sheet is and will always be free on your podcast provider and on the YouTubes. But if you think our show is worth anything more than the time it takes to listen to it, and if you want to show your appreciation, you can buy us next week's coffee by going to kofi.com. That's KO Fi.com slash the talk of the You can also sign up to be a friend of the podcast like Canadian Helen and Christy did through the same link, where for as little as two bucks a month, you can get a mention in the closing credits of each and every episode. And remember, remember Helen, you can always support the podcast for free and get us in front of new listeners by liking, subscribing, rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. And now, this. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda. Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda.
0: Fired Sean while we had the chance.
1: That's right. This was Nick and Sarah arguing about who was running the factory. Sarah coulda helped Nick out, but shoulda, woulda, coulda, he said. I was Gavin and you did not like Hitler. Still don't. This was a Kanye reference or something?
0: Oh, was this was this back when I was still on Twitter and Kanye West was was saying actually Hitler was good,
1: something like that.
0: Simpler times, man. Simpler times.
1: Well, it was Christmas. Interestingly, you were working on World War Two photographs, so it all comes back to Nazis. We may have been responsible for the death of Christine McVie.
0: That's right. Yeah, that came up in my Facebook notifications about the fact that we talked about Edge of Seventeen on List of Lists the very next day. Christine McVie was dead
1: and that wasn't the first time that happened well it was the first time that chrissy mcvee died but right, it wasn't yeah. the first time that we'd mentioned and someone it happened who it ha- died
0: it hap- i'm just i'm just really happy that henry kissinger and sandra day o'connor never had a hit single i'm still angry though that there's no pogues songs on the 500 greatest songs of all time ro- rolling stone list
1: mm-hmm.
0: lots of deaths
1: Keeping it light. Keeping it light. We were running an episode behind, thanks to the World Cup, I think. So this was all the preambling that we did. Nazis and Fleetwood Mac. Good combination. Yes. Nick receives an indecent proposal from Harvey as supposed recompense for the hurt caused to Sam. After being belittled by Carla, Sarah sees an opportunity to jump ship with an exciting new venture. Ken tries to make amends with Stephanie Beecham while Mary struggles to come to terms with his dreadful script. Aaron's dad enjoys a brief moment on the wagon just as summer's life collapses in on itself a little bit more. Tyrone's favouritism towards hope causes rifts in the other relationships in the house. Tim is distraught when Sally gives away his favourite jacket. Griff takes to more obvious threats towards Maria ahead of the community centre opening its refugee advice service. Stephen goes to great lengths to remain solvent while paying for Audrey and Sam's Norwegian cruise. Tim's mum quotes Lord Sugar... Steve's big toe needs a pumice stone And Kev's had enough tea Our moment of the week was Daisy and Todd hiding Lawrence from Sean And our boring moment of the week was Stephanie Beecham's Bone China And that was Coronation Street And the talk of the street This time last year Yes We'll take a quick break And we'll be right back with this week's recap And we're back (laughs) That was a long one this week That
0: was a long one (laughs) It's like what's going on here? <laughs> Have you frozen over there?
1: Shall we dive in, my dear? please. Okay, so our first storyline this week is our last storyline. So we'll jump in with our second storyline, which is do you wanna bet?
0: Do ya? Punk?
1: <sighs> Make my day.
0: <laughs> on on the roulette wheel. What?
1: I was bringing it back to gambling. <laughs> so you were <laughs> on Monday. Ed starts his day with texts from Tony. Tony's begging for the money that he's owed. Michael is saddened because Aggie won't be home for Christmas because of reasons. Ed is sure Christmas. Aunt Marcel. Will st- oh, right.
0: Aunt Marcel.
1: Was it Aunt Marcel before?
0: No, it was like Auntie M or something.
1: Did name <laughs> stand went- for Marcel?
0: She she went to Kansas. See, this this bit, this bit of dialogue should have been in last week's episodes wh- because Ed has already said last week that he's making Christmas dinner. He did. And that Aggie wasn't going to be back for Christmas.
1: He said that also.
0: Yes. So it's very confusing. And I'm so frustrated because like there were all these articles this week about finally revealed where Aggie has been and it's not good news. And I was like, oh, finally, we're going to find out why like in real life she hasn't been on the show for a long time and no it's just where
1: is Lorna Laidlaw exactly
0: where is Lorna Laidlaw this is kind of scary now
1: but it didn't say anything to do with that it just said oh she's at Auntie Marcel's taking care
0: of her which we already kind of knew knew, unless Auntie M really is in Kansas and a different auntie
1: I think we kind of mentioned last week our our concerns. Our concerns continue. Yes, they do. I'd appreciate knowing just so I can stop worrying about it. Exactly. Not for any other reason or being nosy or whatever, just so I can stop worrying about it. Ed is sure Christmas will still be a success, especially if he is cooking dinner and using Tony's money to pay for everything. There's a knock at the door and it's Sarge, Ed's dad. He's a day early and Ed's not happy about that. No. Sarge makes quite the entrance.
0: Yes, he does.
1: You can see where Ronnie gets his style from. I guess. And his arms. No. I have no idea.
0: Why is that man so much shorter than his sons? Well, that's how it and works, isn't it? I grandsons.
1: No. Look, I was taller than my mum and my dad.
0: I guess. I'm I'm shorter than both my parents, so I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe it skips a generation. Ronnie comes round later when he finds out that Sarge is in town. Sarge seems to be the kind of fellow who finds fault in everything especially everything in Ed's house and particularly anything personal involving Ed. He's happy to see Ronnie though and keen to get wired into the booze early doors so Ed pops the kettle on. Sarge is disappointed that so many of the family are missing this family reunion because Dee Dee's out gallivanting, James is in that London and right. Aggie is, well, wherever Aggie is.
0: Wherever Auntie Marcel lives. Ronnie decides, I guess Paris?
1: you think so with the name, wouldn't you? Yeah. Ronnie decides to book a table at the Bistro for later to celebrate. And this is just the start of Ronnie deciding to do things that are expensive and roping Ed and Right, yeah. Along.
0: And in fairness, he doesn't know that Ed is skint. So Right. It's fine.
1: Ed goes into town and gets himself a payday loan, which he then immediately throws on the horse. Meanwhile, Ronnie and Sarge turn up at the Bistro where Sarge meets Leanne and Debbie and gives them some prime Sarge chat. Michael dances into the beetle later to get fucking wired into the booze and finally Ed turns up late and Sarge doesn't fail to notice so lunch is starting Sarge and Debbie are giving each other chat while Sarge reveals why he gets called Sarge his name is Ernest he was in in the Navy Ernest Bilko as in Sergeant Bilko as in Sarge I think Joel's already there and Joel says well how do you get Sarge if you're in the Navy and Michael's like I've never thought of that before really Really? michael because that was the first thing i thought of as well
0: well if if somebody has been called something your whole life you just kind of accept it don't you and he was one would assume he was being called sarge well before michael was born because sergeant bilko is not exactly a modern reference
1: i think i last saw sergeant bilko when i was in my teens maybe it's like in the 80s or 90s or something
0: right and it was like an old rerun oh, wasn't sure. it yeah. yeah yeah
1: they used to put it on bbc2 when there was nothing else to show before the channel <laughs> closed down so they'd like put it on for half an hour and then there'd just be nothing boop. Yep.
0: remember boop remember when tv would just shut down for the night
1: get the national anthem and then nothing they're basically telling you to fuck off to bed right what i was really going to ask you was i like the the hoops that you have to jump through to get from Ernest to Sarge. Right. Which reminds me of a guy that I used to know called Jakes. And his name was Gordon. Right. And I was like, how'd you get from Jake's. Gordon to Jakes? Right. Apparently when he was at school, he used to carry these binders about with him. Mm-hmm. And as he was getting probably bullied, somebody stole the binders and put them in the garbage. Uh huh. So he had to dig through the garbage to get his binders back. Right. So they called him Rekobin, which turned to Jacobin, which turned to Jakes. <laughs> so every time he was getting called Jakes, he was getting reminded of a of, ha- of a of bullying being incident. Bullied. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. He told it with a smile.
0: It sounds very British, though.
1: <laughs> right. Anyway, so. <clears throat> Ed is preoccupied with his phone while Didi and Joel are there, and Debbie announces that sea bass is too fishy for her. Didi wants to talk about the success of Ronnie's and Ed's development, but Sarge is dismissive, hoping that Ronnie is in charge of the books. And with that, he excuses himself from the table while he goes off for a shite. Dee quietly explains to Joel and to us that Sarge thinks that Ed lost the old house, not through gambling, but through bad financial decisions. Uh-huh. So later, Ed has nipped outside to catch the horse racing results, which looks like bad news Uh-oh. when Ronnie catches them, because it's time to settle the bill. And Ronnie has decided that he and Ed are picking it up. And a 15% tip that Ronnie unilaterally decides to pay. This passes for generosity, apparently. Cheapskate.
0: 15%. What is that?
1: Well, when you don't live in a tip culture country. You don't know. That's what you can get away with. Hmm. Ronnie tells Ed to send him his half whenever he gets a minute, just as Tony, surely the most patient labourer ever to exist, gives Ed a call, which he dingies. Tony finally catches up with Ed, though, at the builder's yard, explains that he has bills to pay too. Tony finds Ed's bet slip on the ground and is shocked to see that Ed has gambled with the money Tony is owed.
0: And he needs to buy an expensive hairdryer.
1: Tony threatens to speak to Ronnie, so Ed has to admit that he has a gambling problem and he begs Tony to keep Stoom just as Ronnie appears wondering why Tony is there. Ed covers by saying that Tony was looking for more work, and Tony, bless his fucking heart here, does nothing to disabuse Ronnie of that. Ronnie falls for it, insisting that he and Ed go to play dominoes with Sarge. When Ronnie leaves, Tony proves that he has a bit of bite, as he warns Ed not to make him do anything he doesn't want him to do. There's got to be better ways to express it than that.
0: Yeah, he does does also, during that conversation, really clench his fist really tight over Mm -hmm. that... Betting slip. Right. So yeah, Tony's not happy. And nor should he nor be. Nor should he be. Ed is Ed is our roof guy. We've been overly patient with our roof guy. Tony has been overly patient with Ed.
1: Yep. I don't I don't know why Tony is being as patient as he is You because said nobody because else no will one's gonna do a job, but they're taking the piss now.
0: Yeah. They are. Or oh, right, Ed is. Yes. He is.
1: But I wonder why it was Ed's responsibility. Was Tony just working for Ed? That was it, not working for
0: Yeah, because it was work on uh
1: oh, on Paul's, Paul's house thing. How's he owned five hundred quid for that? All he did was put in a put in a bar or something in the in the bathroom. Wasn't it? Oh no, it was a hoist. He put in a hoist. Yes. Which is a bit more complicated. A sex hoist?
0: Well, obviously not a sex hoist.
1: Every hoist is a sex hoist When you sex hoists <laughs> Back home the Bailey's And Debbie and Joel Are playing dominoes Sarge is still going on About Ed's failures And how his old house Was massive Joel leaves because He doesn't know How to play dominoes And Sarge is still Going on about it Dee, Dee loses a rag And explains that They lost the house Because of Ed's Gambling addiction Not his lack Of business acumen But Ed Beat his addiction And everyone is Dead proud of him So shut your Fucking pie hole And she storms off.
0: Well done, Dee Dee. I know.
1: Tempers have calmed later and Dee Dee maintains that Ed is a success. Debbie wants more dominoes as Sarge explains how one of his cousins died in a casino. Keeping it light.
0: Keeping it light.
1: Ronnie joins in singing Ed's praises. Sarge still sees it as a weakness so Dee Dee has to get angry again. Ed can't take it and runs away. So in the community garden. Dee Dee finds Ed and apologises for telling his secrets. Ed thinks it's better out in the open anyway, which is just as well because Dee, Dee doesn't regret it, which suggests that they go home and Ed agrees. So when they get back, Sarge is asleep. Michael pays Ed for his part of the meal and this wakes Sarge who is down in the dumps because he used to brag about his family and he seems to be shocked that James is gay. Ed has had <laughs> enough again and decides to go to work.
0: Yeah, yeah, they let that slide a little too quickly, mm-hmm. I felt. You know when he's like, oh and then there's that whole thing mm-hmm. dot dot dot
1: which remember would have been something that Ed kind of agreed with
0: right initially back at the time. initially Ed had a hard time with having a gay son mm-hmm. but then he got better.
1: Ed goes to see Tony and gives him Michael's 40 quid and promises him 600 quid, but it's going to need a couple of weeks. Tony doesn't want 600 quid in two weeks. he wants 500 quid now. and doesn't trust Ed anymore. Ed is apoplectic. No, Ed is apologetic and Tony is such a nice guy, he probably falls for it. So Ed finally
0: <laughs> funny does Ed the right thing. F- in there. <laughs>
1: well, I'll be cutting that out, obviously. i <laughs> oh, boo. So Ed does the right thing for once and goes to a Gamblers Anonymous meeting that seems to be attended by Pat Phelan under the guise of someone called John. Interesting. The back of his head looked yeah. very much like Phelan and his accent was very much like Phelan. Ed is lovely as he introduces himself and talks about his demons and how he fears losing his family this time. He's never been so frightened. So if if Tony's begging to get the money that he's owed wasn't enough, Dee Dee backing him up, saying everyone's so very proud Proud of of Ed, seems to have done the trick and sent Ed to Gamblers Anonymous, where the the lady that was running it seemed to recognise him.
0: Yes, yeah. Like, you've been here before. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Right. It's good. You know what this story is really missing, though? Aggie? Yeah. <laughs> Here's Do you think really Aggie should
1: maybe be here for her husband's really uh, time of need? really
0: a hardcore storyline, and the matriarch isn't there. And yet they're still mocking the way she cooks. What's up with that?
1: There's so much of this that is... You know, when, when somebody... When somebody's unexpectedly out, yeah. to get someone to stand in. Right. Like I think maybe some of the time that uh, Yasmin was away and they had Alia with Stu. Yeah. I kind of feel like maybe Didi had some of Aggie's lines here. Right. I think Aggie was maybe the one who was going to be giving Sarge what <laughs> for and yeah. backing her husband up. So, it, I don't know, maybe maybe she's going to be playing that, that kind of role, but with all the things that have been going on yeah. in the Bailey household, it just makes it so much more apparent that Aggie's not there because, right. because she should be. Absolutely. <laughs> she should be, and she should be tired from working her job and then coming home and having to deal with all this shit, Right. And she should be giving Ed advice, and she should be giving ronnie advice and 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 she should be putting up with sarge maybe when she doesn't want to put up with sarge right and, and everything that's happening that is just highlighting what an aggie shaped hole this story has in right it.
0: it's like it's like the fizz shaped hole when kathy showed up yeah you know it's like okay maybe we should have waited on this storyline until the whole family
1: was here or maybe we should have moved Fizz further away than Norfolk. Right. Yeah. Because she should be able to come back. Right. Even just for an episode or something.
0: Right. Yeah. And how long
1: does it take to train people to sew knickers? She's been she's been gone for so long.
0: She's been gone for ages. It's the, it feels like she's been gone longer than a typical a, a, a typical maternity. I leave. think she
1: took an extended leave. Yeah. And good for her. But yeah. You know.
0: Absolutely. But still, and it's, it's frustrating because as we've pointed out many times, there are so many characters in the show now. Mm-hmm. And it feels like when members of certain families can't be in it for whatever reason for an extended period of time, you've got dozens of other characters who you could be giving a storyline to, right. to fill in the gap where it doesn't feel weird.
1: But here we have core characters that are still missed despite the volume of other characters that they have. Right. Kind of shows how how pivotal those characters are when when even in these sort of days you still miss them. Yes. So on Wednesday, Sarge is making himself at home with Michael, waiting on him hand and foot. Ed isn't too impressed with his dad who's eaten all these pastries and has heard from Ronnie that Sarge is expanding his business empire back home in the Caribbean. And Nina's Rolls, Ed is complaining about Sarge to Ronnie. Ronnie thinks it's all hilarious and ignores Ed's plea to put him up in the rape hotel, which is exactly where he should be staying. Ronnie, your girlfriend owns hotels plural. Why is he having to stay at Ed's? Put him in the bloody hotel. Because
0: family Ugh. haven't... No, no, you haven't no, no. watched enough Fast and the Furious movies. to I haven't know anything watched any about any Fast and the Furious movies. Exactly, and that's the Problem?
1: Problem? <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem I can live with then. At uh, this, Michael and Sarge come in and Sarge immediately eats Ed's Eccles cake. That about does it for Ed. And, but then Sarge gives them both a sob story about the state of his food truck business back home. He's trying to expand, but it's left him a bit short. So he needs a loan from his sons. And Ed can't believe the ha hucking nerve of it. Sarge can't see the comparison, thinking that Ed chose to just chuck his money away on the Gigi's. He just needs a couple of grand to tide him over. Ronnie decides on behalf of him and Ed that they will go havers on this. At the builder's yard, Ronnie's still keen to help, but Ed is less inclined. What's Sarge ever done for me? Ronnie asks if Ed can afford it. And rather than admit the truth, Ed agrees to stump up half of it after all. So later, Sarge is thrilled when Ronnie and Ed agree to give him the cash. Ronnie is transferring the cash now. Ed's going to pay him once he's fucked off home, which I actually really liked. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Sarge is delighted and goes to make some coconut punch. Ronnie is suspicious, but Ed says he just wants his dad to sweat a bit. So Ed and Sarge get blotted on the coconut punch later. Sarge knows that Ed doesn't like him and that he makes Ed's head spin, but he loves being here. So Ed asks him to stay for Christmas, saying that the family will love him being there, but probably just to delay having to pay the old shitbag. So on Friday, at the builder's yard, Michael is worried that Sarge has disappeared. Ed couldn't care less, but thinks he'd say if he was going to go home. And sure enough, he appears at the house later. He's been shopping for Christmas presents, presumably with Ronnie's money. And this angers Ed at Sarge for spending money while asking for a loan. Sarge insists that all the presents are dirt cheap, and he doesn't need Ed's permission to buy his family gifts. Ed apologises. Looks like Sarge's going to be hanging about for a while. This time with Ed's blessing, though
0: yeah and
1: that's as far as we get with that this week yeah thoughts on sarge
0: he's not what i expected
1: did you expect jolly i kind of expected jolly he's well, not jolly we
0: we knew that he was hypercritical of ed because ed has complained about this before i expected him to be larger and louder and larger
1: in stature or boisterous Oh, okay. Just a a bigger presence.
0: Yeah. Like physically larger, but also presence larger. Like he comes in and he just takes over and controls the house and controls the focus and is everybody's best friend sort of thing. Mm. You know, kind of like Ronnie. I expected him to be more like Ronnie.
1: It was kind of smooth with Debbie and Not kind of really. Oh, they were kind of giggling, and, and right. Ronnie gave yeah. him Ronnie gave him a row for
0: right for trying
1: to own silver tongue
0: because he's an old man.
1: Well, let's think about and how we old. We give
0: he, old men a pass.
1: How old is he? Because we've got a revelation that Ed's fifty nine. So if Ed's fifty nine, then this guy's in his late seventies at the earliest.
0: Right. I don't know. So what's he
1: doing running a food truck business?
0: Right yeah
1: i guess i guess to survive i suppose but expanding his food truck business it feels like in his late 70s
0: yeah no i just i he's not yeah he's not what i expected i expected i expected him to be i expected him to be a sarge for one you Mm. know when somebody is called sarge you have a picture of them in your head yeah, and, and it's not this skinny short man who's very quiet and takes people's Eccles cakes
1: he's quite quiet and he's I know that he's aggressive aggressive, he's also passive aggressive,
0: he's mostly passive aggressive and
1: all of his uh, well sometimes he just comes out and says it, which doesn't really passive aggressive, but he is passive aggressive mm-hmm. and everything that he says is kind of loaded a little bit and I kind of I kind of uh, Assume that he's kind of sly then and a sly old man. I don't know. I kept that. I had ideas that he would be a version of Ronnie or a version of Ed, and I don't really see him being much of a version of either of, either of, them. of them, which I guess is fine because it's a character in a soap opera. If right. you have two characters that are exactly the same, well, you can get rid of one of them. And I kind of wanted them to be fun, like Dee Dee was fun. Well, Dd is fun, and he's not fun. He's kind of annoying. He annoys me. I think. I think yeah. I've decided that he annoys I me mean, a little bit.
0: There, there are aspects that, like, I totally get about you know the fact that he favors one son over the other, and he's constantly just on Ed's tits about about everything. Mm. That that to me is not surprising. But just like some of the other things, like he just walks up and takes the Eccles cake.
1: Yeah. you know Who does that?
0: Nobody does that. You'd say, oh, do you mind? And then take a big massive bite out of it or something.
1: Right. Or lick it.
0: Right. And Shona doesn't know this man from Adam. This man just walks up and takes the Eccles cake that she was about ready to serve her customer. Mm -hmm. I expected her to give him a row.
1: Uh, The old new Shona would have. Yes, (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the new new shona, not so much. Mm. They've kinda of toned her down a little bit recently, you notice that?
0: They have. They have significantly mm-hmm. toned her down.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I I, I was calling for. Yeah. But now that it's happened, I'm like well it's maybe a little bit I shouldn't out of have asked for this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Anyway.
1: Do we think that's hard. how's uh I don't know if it's the early days, but Ed's visit to the to the old Gamblers Anonymous I would hope, would be the start of repeated behaviour. And maybe we can draw a line under that part of it. But that kind of feels like it's been dealt with a little bit too quickly. Yeah. And, and the only real victim of this is pure fucking Tony.
0: Yeah. The family has to find out. And they mm. have to find out in the worst way imaginable for Ed. Which
1: holiday is coming up, do you think? Hmm. Christmas? Mm. Maybe something at Christmas. Maybe. That would be bolder, the show, given how how poorly they've used the Baileys in the past to give them some kind of role over Christmas, would be going from uh, famine to feast.
0: Yeah. Do you think Sarge likes Joel? I feel like Sarge doesn't like Joel.
1: I don't like Joel.
0: He calls him Billy Joel.
1: (laughs) Yes. Which I...
0: which you referenced earlier when we were talking about Noel.
1: Because it's like it's like a David Bowie, David Bowie thing. Right. Do you call him Billy Joel or do you call him Billy Joel? You call and him... British people do tend to call him Billy Joel.
0: Yeah, I've noticed British people don't really care what Americans what Americans prefer to be called. They're going to call you whatever the fuck they want
1: anyway. Well, and it's kind also, of annoying. David Bowie's not American.
0: No, but Billy Joel is. Well,
1: Billy Joel is certainly, yeah. He's from, he's from, he's a downtown guy, right?
0: No, he's, no, you know, you're right, he is a downtown man, mm-hmm. that's what I am.
1: You're thinking of Claudia Schiffer for a second there, she was the uptown.
0: No, that wasn't Claudia Schiffer, that was uh, Billy Joel's wife, what's her name? Oh god, what was her name? She was another model, but it wasn't Claudia Schiffer that he was married to.
1: Wasn't it? Oh, no, no,
0: Claudia Schiffer was married to the magician. What's his name? David Blaine? no david blade was in diapers back then no the other magician the one who made the statue of liberty disappear
1: paul daniels <laughs> no. i'm fucking with you it was david copperfield
0: that's right claudia Schiffer claudia was, married Schiffer was to david copperfield was in the
1: cover version of uptown girl i think by westlife hold i could on. be wrong
0: hold on hold
1: on i I honestly don't care
0: i need to know what billy joel's ex-wife's name is i used to know it
1: linda evangelista
0: no it's not linda evangelista sunday crawford no
1: christy brinkley
0: that's right i knew it was one of the christies i was thinking christina aguilera for one some reason (laughs) even though she's not a supermodel
1: and billy joel
0: can you imagine the two of them together
1: it's like neil diamond being married to britney spears actually that might work
0: is it neil diamond gay no that's barry manilow who's gay
1: that's Liberace that you're thinking of anyway (laughs) paul daniels our next storyline fucking hell no refunds by the way to anyone who gives us money no refunds our next storyline is can someone deck this prick please On Monday, the chat around the breakfast table on the rose gold flat is testicles.
0: Yes. And Maria is shocked that somebody would say testicle at the table. Yeah,
1: she's an expert.
0: She's obviously never had lunch in Montana.
1: Obviously not. Liam wants to dog school. In Montana,
0: we eat testicles.
1: But Gary and Maria are firmly against it and tell him to get his arse and his testicles into gear. (laughs) Meanwhile, Liam is getting more texts about being a clipe. At school, Liam and Dylan are chatting about the latter selling vapes when Mrs. Croshaw catches him and for some reason gives Dylan a detention. And this is seen by that prick Mason. So later at school, Dylan runs into Liam and is not happy that Liam got more detention. Suck my balls, says Liam, and wanders off. Good for him. Dylan tried to push him back and tried tried to bully him. Tried to be a tough guy. Liam's like, fuck off.
0: Yeah, seriously, dude. On the what way the ho- hell, man?
1: On the way home from school, Mason finds Liam and pretends they're best pals until he rips Liam's backpack off and throws it on top of a van. He starts with a product patter saying how Dylan can't shift his product if he's in detention. Like, really, we're calling vapes product now? Right. And Does, does he think that, that he's breaking bad here? Does he think he's Walter White?
0: And vapes he stole from the back of a van. If anything... If anything, he's Badger. But even Badger wasn't
1: a bully. <laughs> Sell him yourself, says Liam, quite <laughs> rightly.
0: Yeah, he's like, why are you... And I I was so proud of him for saying that, because we've been saying that for ages.
1: Right. Mason doesn't take this well and takes a picture of Liam's dad being dead. He barks at Liam to get his bag back from the top of the van and records him doing it. What a prick. Liam's dad, I- Liam Senior, was killed in a hit-and-run by Tony Gordon, Carla's rapist back in 2008
0: right yeah so the like ha ha your dad's dead is like a new low in all of this but also the whole getting your get, go get your backpack is ridiculous because all he had to do is go to the back of the van mm-hmm. and step on the bumper and just raise his hand up i don't understand why he's climbing over the windshield it's like what is going on here <laughs>
1: Kids never climbed on a van before. Obviously which not. Is probably a good thing though, right? No. Liam gets home in a bit of a state. His trousers are raggedy and his bag is torn. Liam insists he's fine and goes to his room. So Marie and Gary are left to talk about what to do with Liam, and Gary offers to have a word, which he tries to do, but Liam has his earbuds in and doesn't want disturbed. For some reason, he's watching the video that Mason took of him being humiliated. He asks Gary if he ever met his dad. Gary didn't, but reckons his dad would be dead proud of him. Gary's clearly suspicious of this line of questioning, but says nothing.
0: Right, yeah. So there is a video out on the internet.
1: And if we've learned nothing else from Coronation Street, every video that's posted online goes viral.
0: Yes. It's TikTok, motherfucker, to so that Mason. Because <laughs> once Gary sees this, he's going to be flatter than Rana.
1: Dearie me, it's just the burns are coming left and right here. Tick-tock, motherfucker, and flatter than Rana.
0: Flatter this than Rana. This is why Rana. I pay
1: you to do this.
0: You don't pay me.
1: Oh, what kind of falls apart then.
0: You pay me in love, I guess.
1: Yeah. On Wednesday, Gary <laughs> gives Liam bus money to go to school, announcing that his favourite sweeties, Are dolly mixtures. I used to love dolly mixtures.
0: I have no idea what that is.
1: He leaves Liam to get on the bus, but when Liam does, he sees all the bullies sitting up the back, which is where bullies sit. So he thinks to himself, fuck this, and jumps off, where he bumps into George who is already suspicious and becomes even more so. So later George finds Liam in the community garden and the two of them are get chatting about school. George explains how his own school days were ruined by a horrible bully called Frank the Wank. George explains that some problems are too big to handle on your own and it's important to speak up to your parents or the people that you love about that sort of thing, especially if his mum was as lovely as Maria. Am I right? Aye. It's Um, very
0: interesting. Very interesting that both Liam and George's bullies both have a tie to Sean. Yes. Because Sean used to shag Frank the Wank. Let's not forget.
1: Oh, yes, he did. (laughs) At the Rose Gold Flat, Liam gets in from pretending to be at school. Gary already knows, though, because he's been speaking to George. He's been dogging it. Gary isn't going to ground him because he's a nice guy, but wants to know why he's been bunking school. Anything to do with this Mason character? Liam says that he's mates with Mason now, and Jake backs Liam up, so Gary lets it go. And that's as far as we get with that this week.
0: Yeah. It's frustrating because you want the kids to speak up. Right. And just have this done and over with. Mm -hmm. But also, again, let's not forget, once again, Mason bullying and ripping the backpack and chucking it on the van happened in broad daylight Mm -hmm. in the middle of the street.
1: Right outside of Liam's house.
0: Right. So uh, really, there was nobody on the street to witness this. It's nobody a, saw this
1: it's a ghost town when it needs to be you should know this by now it's so ridiculous apart from when there's parking problems right. that apparently got fixed
0: yes and then it well it's like sometimes there are extras and you don't notice them because they're extras they're just people walking on the street and then we'll get the woman in a later storyline on her cell phone sitting in a waiting room very obtrusively right in the front of the waiting room while we're trying to watch two other characters behind her have a very serious conversation.
1: Oh, I didn't notice her. You didn't? Uh, the only extra that I notice is the kebab guy.
0: Oh, and, and the woman who is shocked. Don't you remember the woman who was shocked in the bistro about a conversation that happens right in front of her?
1: Oh, yes, that was, she was watching that, an argument between Toya and Imran and she kept on glaring at them.
0: Right, and, and saying to her friend, can you believe this shit? What <laughs> yeah. is... This neighbourhood is just really gone downhill. Yeah,
1: have not seen her again. Or Fish Guy. It's been probably two years since we've seen Fish Guy.
0: Right. The, that's why the sea bass is so bad.
1: Wait. Yeah, it's just, I, I saw something that suggested that this storyline has got a long way to go yet. And I'm... Um, uh, seriously.
0: No. What
1: Please needs stop. to happen... And what looks like it has become, become close to it happening is Liam takes a swing at Mason and decks him and then that's the end of the storyline, Right. Liam's had a look on him that, even when that knife came out, yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised if Liam had taken a swing at him, but then, but, but then didn't. But then there isn't. And Maybe because can... I've been watching Neighbours recently, uh-huh. Neighbours don't do long burn storylines right The story starts on a monday and it's finished on thursday right it, there's and, no slow burn uh, and that that can be things like kidnapping and uh, drug addiction it doesn't matter it can be
0: <laughs>
1: done and dusted and
0: that's australians uh, for two you or
1: three episodes so I'm even more chopping at the bit to get this awful bullying stuff Dealt with and right. to be dealt with in a satisfactory mm-hmm. manner.
0: Liam needs to hire Hope. Hope would beat the shit out of that guy.
1: And if sh- and, and if then Hope can't, Hope burn would burn
0: his dolly.
1: Yeah, she'd tamper with his parents' car or something. Right, she'd, she'd, she'd...
0: shave his head while he sleeps, which would be an improvement. It would
1: be a vast improvement. Did your mother finish her conflicts before she cut your hair? Right, etc. etc.
0: Yes.
1: I don't know. I'm just. I mean, I'm kind of glad that George has got involved in it because George is a nice guy, and right. But I don't know if Liam knows George enough to take his advice as anything more than an old man interfering.
0: Yeah, well, th- they're kind of neighbors, aren't they?
1: Well, everyone's kind of neighbors, but it's <laughs> true. But
0: I don't know George. George has such a nice, calming voice. He does. He's like a big old bear,
1: and it was a lovely. Uh, moment between it really the two was. of them
0: it really was
1: but i just don't know that it it didn't go in one ear and out the other way really right
0: and. yeah where's roy
1: was roy in it this week no
0: and yet he gets <clears> mentioned <throat> a couple of times
1: because mm-hmm. everyone wants to be in roy's good books right see roy would be, probably be a good character to have that conversation, kind of conversation with, with him, him.
0: Yeah, but we don't know that Roy's been bullied. We assume Roy has been bullied at some point in his life
1: because... Oh, Roy's been bullied throughout his life. He gets bullied...
0: Oh, he was bullied by Stu. Remember when he was bullied by Stu? Yeah. And I almost completely went off the Stu character until I got to see his testicles in Ted Lasso. Then I'm like, all right, he's fine.
1: You saw his actual testicles?
0: No, it was blurred out. Okay. But still.
1: You can imagine.
0: (laughs) All that white hair. Oh. Flowing beautifully <laughs> from below his
1: trunks <laughs> Just flows in the wind Never seen a sheen on pubic hair before <laughs> <laughs> I think we better move on We should To Drowning Simon Sorrows Just some scenes on Monday to fill in time here I think At Carla's Simon is in a foul mood about his vapes being stolen Peter tries to cheer him up with a kick uh, <laughs>
0: With a kickabout, like he's 12.
1: <laughs> With a kickabout down the red wreck. But Simon isn't 10 anymore, and this cuts no cheese for him. <laughs> Peter, meanwhile, is still struggling, but is deciding to put a brave face on it, because we're not really going to talk about that this week. No. Simon's at the bar at the bistro getting pitched on Heineken Zero. Leanne <laughs> is worried about him, but Simon insists that he's 20. It's none of Leanne's business. Leanne says that Carla says that he gets mortal at the flat too while he's playing PlayStation. Simon... <laughs> Simon blows her off and asks for a tab and then nips off for a shite, allowing Leanne to phone Peter and air her concerns.
0: And say, take care of your kid.
1: Peter lands at the bistro to find Simon knocking back the Heineken Zeros like there's no tomorrow. Peter gives Simon a pep talk about getting knocked down and then getting back up again. So Simon takes the alcohol-free lager drink.
0: And the whiskey drink.
1: Here they go. Peter knows what he's talking about <laughs> and tells Simon not to waste his life. So at home, Pete and Carla talking about Simon. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. She thinks. He thinks it might help to give him more work at the factory. But she says that he was only there as a favor in the first place, and she needs the workforce on her side, which wouldn't be the case with a nepo promotion. Right? Yeah, they're, already, a bit they're suspicious already complaining about, about
0: nepotism. There. Yeah, which is hilarious considering <coughs> how many people related to Carla have worked in that factory.
1: Well how everyone's worked at that factory there's a revolving door summer used to work there remember yes what does
0: summer do now
1: she went back to school didn't she i think so Not oxford though she worked at the at the factory for a week during which time she was late twice she asked to leave early and asked for an advance on her wages yeah. And then she fucked up some fabric as well.
0: Right. And also probably <laughs> Carlos T.
1: Employee of the year.
0: Employee of the year, indeed. So that's
1: as far as we get with that. So...
0: Yeah. yeah. This is like...
1: They bring Simon back and they give him a vape storyline.
0: And then now they're implying that he's going to be an alcoholic, just like his dad. Yep. And I mean, I get it. I get it. It can be... It, it can be hereditary. Mm. It can be hereditary like chemically, like physically, but also it can be hereditary as in nurture and not nature. But you got to have a light hand with this sort of thing when your kid's other parent is an alcoholic, don't you? Yep. And this feels a little heavy handed. And also Carla's being really mean.
1: See, I'm thinking that this is a storyline that's not really highlighting Simon's drinking. It's highlighting Carla's meanness. Because that's what we're doing now. We're driving that wedge between Carla and Peter and we're using anything possible to do it. So Peter's asked Carla for a favour to try and give Simon something else to do.
0: Her and stepson, and, let's not forget.
1: And she's, she's nixed it. And when you think he's working with Kirk... It's not like he's on sales. No. It's not like he's her personal assistant. No. He's working with Kirk. Right. He's pretty much bought me the, uh, the ladder Right, here. yeah. A promotion would be he I- becomes Kirk's boss, which would be probably doesn't, doesn't sit very well. No. But giving him some more things to do. Like-
0: right. And maybe giving him some more training on some other things so eventually he can move up to sales or mm-hmm. something. That does not sound unreasonable to me. No. Like he could shadow Michael around a couple days a
1: week. But what Simon really needed was something of his own. Right. Like the vape thing. Right. But seriously, it was just like one of those pallet things. Right. How much money is he really lost in this? And those can be pricey. Can they?
0: Yeah. Because they're like, oh, you never know. It could just be full of laptops and iPhones. And it never is. But you're paying like 500 bucks for one of these. It's a scam. Right. It's a scam.
1: So he's been scammed then. Somebody should tell him that and then he won't feel as bad about it.
0: No, I, he would feel worse. And I think actually, I think Leanne already did say that he's been scammed oh well. last week. But anyway, at least Leanne feels bad for giving Simon such a hard time. Yeah. She's the good mother. Carla's the bad mother.
1: Next mine- that's stupid. Our next storyline is Racist Kelly No Mates. (laughs) On Monday, it's such a mystery. On Monday,
0: Why does she have no friends?
1: the Rolls, Racist Kelly, is taking a personal call, the third of the day, apparently, and Shona's not impressed. She takes the phone and reads Racist Kelly the riot act, and later it's still tense between the two of them, and Racist Kelly does herself no favours when she asks for an early mark so she can get to her call centre job. Shona reluctantly agrees when Racist Kelly explains how hard it is to juggle two jobs. You want to tell most other people in the street that?
0: Right, yeah. A couple of whom are holding down three jobs.
1: (laughs) Later, Shona bumps into Racist Kelly in the precinct, all dolled up and nowhere to go, with a hefty carryout. Racist Kelly claims that her shift got cancelled and she has a friend coming over later. Shona doesn't look like she believes it and warns Racist Kelly not to take the piss. So at races Kelly's, she's dressed up like she's expecting <clears throat> gentleman company. But when there's a knock at the door, it's Daniel. Boo! <laughs> Kelly quickly throws on her dressing gown. Daniel's here for a tuition session and she invites him in while she goes and puts on one of her many track suits and crop tops. So during the lesson, Daniel thinks Racist Kelly has been on the sauce as she seems tired and distracted. Maybe you're just very boring, Daniel. He sees a broken <laughs> glass on the floor, was it? I couldn't really tell. She says that she's just exhausted with her work and her revision. On Wednesday, in the cabin, Max sees Racist Kelly reading a magazine and concerned that she doesn't have the money to pay for it, coughs up and pays for it himself. This is a fabulous way to make sure that Racist Kelly doesn't read anything into his actions. He mentions in the passing that his watch is knackered. Hmm. Huh. Nina's rolls later, Racist Kelly tells Shona that she and Max are mates again and asks to take a break early. Sean is pissed off about this but agrees when racist kelly says that she needs to repay a favor so in the salon later racist kelly has a present for max to repay him for spending three quid on the magazine it's a fucking watch
0: why does he need a watch anyway it's 2023 he's got a phone Mm -hmm. why does he need a watch it's not even like an apple watch it's not even like a phone on your wrist. It's just a plain old watch. Only it's a really expensive plain old watch. Mm. With like hands and everything.
1: So Max probably doesn't know how to read it. <laughs>
0: it's weird. It- it's like she doesn't... Like there's, there's something missing within her that she doesn't understand. That, that, she, there, that there's something within her that needs to go bigger than a magazine but doesn't understand that there's such a thing as too big to make it awkward
1: right and this is so very awkward and max says that he thinks it's too much because it is but she insists not thinking that sabrina will have an issue with it max accepts and max accepting it doesn't make any sense either because she said i'll pay you back for the magazine and he says that's fine don't worry about it Right. so he didn't even want paid back the 3 quid right. let alone get a 100 pound watch well whatever she
0: does she does say you know you wouldn't let me pay you back so I bought you a present
1: yeah like and a, it's like some dolly mixtures
0: right yeah or one of those sherbert UFOs that Brian was trying to fob off
1: mm-hmm. or one of those uh, phone chargers those that, we had here one of those phone chargers that's the dog and when you plug it into your phone it looks like the dog's shagging your phone <laughs> one of them
0: i used to have one of those like cord protectors for my phone that was shaped like a dog and it looked like the dog was was eating
1: oh well this dog's not eating this dog's getting on. home <laughs> anyway anyway predictably sabrina isn't happy when she sees max's new watch and when she learns how he got it she storms off to have it out with racist kelly warning her to keep her fucking mitts off her man racist kelly is in a shiny new purple crop top at this and she can't (laughs) understand what the big deal is it's only an expensive personal gift for fuck's sake sabrina won't be palmed off like this shona comes out to see what's what and racist kelly says that she's not trying to split anyone up she just wants friends Friends.
0: friends, I actually did that friends. I did that upstairs, when she said that I went friends. friends. what is that even from?
1: uh then between us, <laughs> clearly, Sabrina isn't one of them, oh, good, something just not
0: problematic off. then
1: no some something very problematic well yeah, that yes. was the point yes. now that was a joke of my sarcasm, yes.
0: yes. Because it feels problematic while you're saying it. Have you never seen Inbetweeners? I've seen some because you introduced them to Nick. Thank you so very much. (laughs) And then Nick started watching them and we watched the movie. Oh, the movie's awful. Remember the Inbetweeners movie? Which
1: one? There's two of them.
0: They're both bad. Yeah. They're both... They're like... It's a modern thing, but it feels like the humor sensibility of a John Hughes film... And not one of the good ones.
1: I think it's hearts in the right place.
0: In its penis?
1: <laughs> or its two testicles.
0: flowing with white hair.
1: <laughs> it's Such shiny white pubic hair.
0: So beautiful.
1: Oh. Maybe she's born with it. <clears throat> in her flat, racist Kelly's on the phone when Sabrina turns up at her door. She's here to apologise for some reason. What, she, she's... Uh, no reason to apologize to No. Here.
0: She was absolutely in the right to be upset about some other girl buying a $100 present for her man.
1: She knows Racist Kelly is trying to change for the better. Racist Kelly calls her a patronizing cow, but then she realizes that this might be why she has problems making friends. Saws, she says. She promises she has no intentions towards Max, and they agree to start again. Sabrina suggests that they get to know each other, which racist Kelly takes as an invitation to spill her guts about how she's never had any proper mates because her dad wouldn't let her and seemed to offer her up to his pals in that way.
0: And also she likes kung fu movies.
1: Okie dokie, says Sabrina. I like basketball.
0: As she slowly backs away to the door like Homer Simpson backing into a bush.
1: Well, I shake my fist at a cloud, apparently. (laughs) And in a rolls Brian comes in looking for a scarf that he left earlier, Bernie gets him to count the till to help her out because it's coming up short and, and Brian is able to confirm what Bernie suspected. The register is 80 quid light.
0: And it's so hilarious because earlier in the day when Brian was in the calf and he left the scarf, the camera zoomed in on the scarf and stayed there for like a good thirty seconds. It was
1: a good thirty and seconds. It was a like, second.
0: Why are we zooming in on the scarf? Who's going to murder someone with Brian's scarf, and then Brian goes to jail for murder because it's his scarf?
1: Nope.
0: No, he's just gonna come back to count money. Dum dum dum. That's the only reason why he left his scarf so that he can count money, and so Bernie can realize that the till is off.
1: Yeah, when the when the camera did cut to the, the scarf I did feel Eden McLeod sitting next to me nudging me in the ribs you notice uh, that? did you uh, see that? did you notice that? Uh, that's going to become important but not very important uh, on Friday races Kelly drops in at number 8 to see Max it's her birthday and to celebrate he's going to give her the watch back Shona is doing the washing and sees this and understands the expense Max tells her to return it to get her money back but she dismisses it and heads off to work Shona and Reese's Kelly show up for their shift. Bernie privately explains to Shona about the short tell, so Shona has a word, and Racist Kelly plays dumb. She claims that she wouldn't steal from Roy and afforded the watch thanks to the call centre job. And <coughs> also... <coughs> the call centre job. <coughs> when Shona has questions because she has a mate who works at the call centre and they're laying folk off, she says it was a rich boyfriend who gave her the money. Shona's not buying it and suspends Racist Kelly on the spot. Racist Kelly cries briefly and says that she thought Shona was different and tells her to shove her fucking job up her arse. Right, right. up, up her arse. arse. And we're meant to care about this. And we're meant to care about all of this, I think. And like I've, we've discussed before, right. we don't care about Racist Kelly because no. her redemption arc hasn't happened.
0: It keeps getting interrupted. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think it's kind of... It worked for me a little bit this week did it yeah
1: oh no not at all for me
0: the whole i have no mates because my dad let his cronies rape me
1: yeah and also kind of you, you speak to everybody like they're a piece of shit right also that
0: right but at least like she catches herself and she apologizes when she realizes she's doing it this week
1: when Max shows up in the Rolls later, he's shocked to learn that Racist Kelly has been suspended for stealing money from the till, but no sooner has Shona explained this than she lifts the little drawer thing out of the till and bow and lo hold. There's 80 quid underneath it. Oopsie daisy. Oopsie. So Shona goes round to see Racist Kelly with a birthday card and an apology. She knows the money wasn't stolen, but she knew the watch was expensive and also Racist Kelly lied about it. But she's no longer suspended. But Racist Kelly can't work for someone who doesn't trust her. And she can shove the job back up her arse again. Yes. Back home, Shona blames Max for all this. On her birthday as well, says Max, which just makes matters worse.
0: Right. And Max
1: keeps on saying that. On On her her birthday.
0: birthday.
1: Shona explains about the new rich boyfriend and reckons that she's making it up. All this unloaded onto Max and Sabrina. Shona fucks off back to work.
0: (laughs) And this was hilarious. Because Max and Sabrina are just sitting there.
1: Minding their own
0: just sitting there and you see them watch shona speak but they say (laughs) nothing until she leaves and then there's like half a second where they're still just kind of in stunned silence about all of this
1: and max says oh i think we should maybe do something and sabrina says about About what what? (laughs) and max says about racist kelly yeah i guess yeah so the two of them go around to see racist kelly with cider and cake Max asks about the new boyfriend, but apparently he's busy today. Racist Kelly pretends to be happy and grabs some glasses. And they all get hammered and Max pukes his ring and then clears it up. Lovely stuff. Yeah,
0: And they play Operation.
1: Sabrina and Max leave and Racist Kelly is happy that she has friends,
0: friends,
1: over for her birthday. And that's all that happens in that.
0: Yeah. I like Sabrina's hair blue. I think that's a good colour for her.
1: It is a good colour for her. It's just good to see her again.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's good to see her. And she's looking gorgeous. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we solved racism <laughs> with a black girlfriend. Yes, we did. But at least she's someone that we, that we like and really does not take any shit from Max, which is good.
1: Yes. And we, what see, needs.
0: and we got to see Gav last week. So we get to see both of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One one week and one the other week. Yay! We love Gav. We love Gav so much. I quite like him. (laughs) He's like the best person to have your name on television. Because typically Gavins are assholes. Gavs are pricks. Gavs are assholes.
1: And in real life. (laughs)
0: Like Gavin DeGraw.
1: I still don't know who that is. I'm still kind of struggling with this, uh, this determination by the show to make me feel sympathy towards racist kelly despite it not being earned right they kind of came the closest when she admitted to roy after she tried to come on to roy right that that was she was an interesting character at that point where she had this this weird background and a weird upbringing right and, and this weird story and I don't think they've entirely forgotten about it, but it's never really got to that level again.
0: Well, it kind of does this week when she like admits it to Sabrina.
1: Well, after you see her all dressed up and talking about and waiting for Mm something, clearly waiting for somebody. Right. And you kind of think, well, she's.
0: And she's in a negligee and she's got wine glasses.
1: Yeah, she seems to be entertaining. Right. Shall we say, possibly for money.
0: Right, and yeah, it doesn't feel like she's entertaining because she wants to be entertaining.
1: No, she's never really been looking forward to it, but she's got bills to pay, right. and Ryan's not there anymore.
0: Right, conveniently, because if Ryan was there, this couldn't happen.
1: Mm-hmm. And and even though this is a nasty bit to the story, not through her fault, but I kind of... Sordid, the right word yes so the sordid nature of it should be generating some sympathy especially with one so young
0: and yet it's off-putting
1: yeah i just don't think because they haven't really dealt with the whole racist kelly thing i don't think it's resonating as much as it probably should and i don't think it's generating as much sympathy as it probably should
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and i think given our friends and max and sabrina Feels more like they're just they're just paping over that crack now, right? And hoping that we never we think about, about it. it again, right? Like the, the, the fact
0: that Todd and Paul are friends.
1: Like right, this is this is now dealt with. Yeah, that's it. And that feels unfortunate because yeah. they put so much effort into the storyline at the front end, which feels a kind of typical thing to do, and then not putting the effort on the back end yeah. to, to make it. All make sense again. It does
0: feel like we're getting some effort, though, because we've we've come a little step further about these mysterious phone calls she's been getting, right? You know, so it feels like this is this is moving in a direction that is supposed to fill out her storyline a little bit better, make her more three dimensional, make her more sympathetic. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe through that, we'll somehow get some resolution out of all of this
1: yeah I I hope so I think she's a good actress so I'd I'd like to see I'd like to have a reason to to like her and he feels sympathy for her
0: Hmm.
1: moving on our next storyline is Isla be getting in the way on Wednesday at Devs Asha wants to go to a drag show tonight but Nina already has plans with her college mates Asha gently teases Nina about this what have her college mates got that she doesn't have Nina offers to cancel, but Asha insists that she goes and has a great time, and both of them are scunnered by each other's reaction. In the roles, Nina meets up with Asha and says that she's been thinking about it, she's been spending too much time with her mate, so she suggests that she goes out with Asha tonight, after all. But Asha has already made other plans and will be revising with Isla, so that's that fucked, and Uh-oh. Nina and Asha are as miserable as they were earlier on. So Nina stumbles home at night, surprised to see Asha home. Nina tells tales of her night of drinking and curry, it's secretly, she gets a text from college gang apologising for bailing early on her. <laughs> Ash invites her out with her and Isla for lunch tomorrow. Promises not to make it all paramedic chat, and Nina agrees.
0: They are legion.
1: The <laughs> that just looked the like college a college gang. A, a regular text message. No. Is that a WhatsApp group? Is that what that was?
0: Why would the whole gang be apologising as as one? entity
1: because they are legion they are many they are
0: legion just a whole bunch of demons infected nina's head
1: college gang
0: college gang hi gang hi nina
1: says all of them in unison
0: how much effort does it take to just throw a name on there and said hey
1: bruce this is what bruce said
0: yeah hey everybody's really sorry that we had to leave Mm-hmm. You know, or like a number of texts from different people.
1: Nope, just one from <laughs> college gang. It's
0: so bad. It's so bad.
1: On Friday at dev shop, he's dressed as an elf in an attempt to get more customers through the door.
0: And he's sitting on a shelf.
1: Nina and Ash are preparing for a Bistro lunch with Isla. Miles will be there too. Who the fuck is Miles?
0: I Another paramedic?
1: Let's speed dial... A speed dial a Speed dial <laughs> That's what they're going for as well It a is Speed dial Island and Miles are talking about cadavers with Asha Nina's running late Fun And Asha bums Nina up to Miles Saying that she works in fashion design And at this Nina comes in And contradicts Asha By saying that she works in a calf. Asha is not pleased by this And Asha admits to exaggerating But Nina seems to take this As meaning that Asha is ashamed of her mm-hmm. And makes her excuses and leaves She's actually quite chatty and quite uh, charming, I think, to Miles and Isla, but the fact that she's right. left early makes them raise their eyebrows and, ooh, Well, the fact this?
0: that, you know, she gets there and, and she sits down and it seems like everything's going to be fine and then all of a sudden she realises that Asha has pretended she's a fashion designer. Which she
1: is. But she she's has not. She has worked at that. She
0: has, but she's not doing it now, you know, and... and she's she's exactly right Asha doesn't want to say she works in a cafe sort of thing you know she is kind of embarrassed by that because here here Miles has just talked about how important their work is that you know even that there are there are some days that are good days where you don't have to see a cadaver
1: but Asha is essentially in training she's a student nina is also a student she's at college doing fashion so why ash I can't say she's a student in fashion but she's right. had some success doing some designs for the factory or whatever
0: right yeah
1: i mean it was a pointless life when the truth really was. Could, could easily be delivered and and, and be yeah. just as impressive
0: did she think nina was gonna back up her lie right exactly That doesn't make any sense.
1: Strange thing to do. So back home, Asha apologises and Nina explains how that made her feel. Asha says she didn't want to sound like they were kids. Nina thinks this was all an attempt to impress Isla, who she clearly fancies. So Asha finds Nina at the cafe and promises to only socialise with Isla at work. She doesn't want anything to come between them. And this quickly descends into Asha accusing Nina of not trusting her. Well, you tell lies, says Nina. But she says that she does trust Asher and they agree to forget about it, so nothing is resolved. They nope. brush it under the carpet, pretend yep. that it never happened. That's right. And this is all just going to continue and it's Yep.
0: And it's gonna get worse.
1: We talk about the wedges that the show's trying to push between Carla and Peter. Yep. And how it kinda started to do the same for Stephen Tracy. And now it's doing it for Ash and Nina. Yep. And I don't know that I care about this. Because they were lovely together to start with, but they've never really shown that same level of uh, compatibility as they did in the very at beginning. The start because yeah. we never saw them for forever. Right. You never saw them together forever.
0: Right. And then you kind of started to.
1: And when we started to, this happened.
0: Yeah, no, well, they were, they were, it started to happen during other people's storylines. Because let's remember, it was these two who started to call Amy
1: Ames. Oh, but some of them thought, wasn't it?
0: No, sure, it was Asha. Yeah,
1: I don't think it was someone.
0: But they have also called her Ames. They have. <laughs> I can't say it without laughing it's because awful. it's such a terrible nickname. You've made a three-letter word. A four-letter word. Mm -hmm. That's not how nicknames are supposed to work. Unless you're Jakes, I guess.
1: (laughs) Poor Jakes. It feels to me, Nina ran into the canal, bashed her head. Then we didn't see them together for the longest time. And now we do see them together and they don't get on. I don't know that there's that much stakes involved in this. There's stakes for... Peter and Carla, because they're married, right? Right. And also because they're each other's lobster. Right. I don't feel that Nina and Asha are each other's lobster.
0: No, no. You know, it's not...
1: Steve and Tracy are kind of each other's lobster as well.
0: Yes, yes. They wear matching onesies. Asha and Nina... We've never seen them in matching onesies. No. No. I don't... And, you know... (laughs) As much as I love the lesbians. And I do. The relationship did kind of feel a little tacked on when it started, didn't it?
1: It did a little bit.
0: And maybe a little too soon after Seb.
1: Especially given that Asher's boyfriend was... The one the who, who murdered who... him. Right.
0: Yeah. It did... It There is an aspect of their relationship that feels very similar... To the Ryan Daisy thing, where there's like shared trauma mm-hmm. by this horrible person who messed up both of their lives in different ways.
1: Well, Asha kind of had the crush, yeah, and Nina thought in for a penny, right? But then it was, let's give this a shot and see and see where it goes. More of right. of curiosity than anything else. Yeah, Nina really deserves to have someone more interesting than Asha, really. No offence to Asha. No offence to Asha. I, I like Asha. I like uh-huh. Asha as a character. I don't know that the two of them make each other better. No. And this, this, the way this is played out this week is the two of them have been doing their damnedest to prove that they're not jealous of each other.
0: Right. They don't care.
1: And it's a, just a kind of childish...
0: Right, yeah, I was kind of surprised that Nina was still doing the, oh, I'm just going to go hang out with my college mates sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I also don't like the fact that they kind of make it seem like hanging out with your college mates is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. You know, like, oh, you go out with your college friends and get all drunk and stuff, and then come stumbling home at 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. She doesn't owe you anything, Asha.
1: (laughs) No, because when you're not home, she's stuck with your dad. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, and sometimes he brings out the elf costume. It's exhausting.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like before, I just, if they're going to break them up, just break them up. Yeah. But I, I don't know that I care if they no. stay together or not. It kind of feels a little bit like Adam and Sarah. I wanted Adam and Sarah to stay together. And then for the longest time, I really didn't care one way or the other. Right. And then at the end, I was kind Of rooting for them a little bit, yeah, but but here is, I thought they were kind of cute together when it started, right? It was nice to introduce a lesbian couple just but just for the sake of it, just to tick right. a box. It's kind and of like, how
0: it, well, they're both bisexual, I, I, I guess. We shouldn't be calling them lesbians because they're clearly bisexual and there's enough bisexual erasure out there, um, but yeah, the way that it, it just the way that it started, it just, I don't know, it, it felt like, well, we've run out of young men. What are we going to do with these two now? Mm-hmm. And it's like, forget them. Give Mary a happy, healthy relationship. Damn it. Right. That's what this show is about. This show is about middle aged women and the gays, not teenage lesbians.
1: And not bullies.
0: No whether or not they're lesbians or not.
1: Exactly. And that Miles guy was an asshole. <laughs>
0: he kind of was.
1: All right, moving on. Our next storyline is... He
0: was a- very hungry.
1: Crystal decanter and glasses. On Friday, Crystal is at the bistro saying things to Ryan that I don't understand. <laughs> it seems to be of a romantic nature because they kiss and arrange to meet up later. Leanne is happy to see Ryan happy. He says it's the early days. His scar's looking like it's healed quite a bit since we last saw him. Absolutely. And the last time we saw It looks like cellophane. ...injecting steroids up his arsehole. Yes. Leanne lets him go early ahead of getting his hole off a Crystal when he gets a mysterious call that piques his interest. Yeah. And later he's still at the beach, so Crystal had a job, so he's running late. Ryan explains to Leanne that the relationship is complicated. It's got more complicated because he got a job offer earlier in a gym chain thanks to his videos. They want him to run their social media. They've seen his videos where he wanked off
0: no 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 the workout videos Oh, okay the wanking videos you have to pay for those
1: let's hope they're talking about the workout (laughs) videos because they're a gym seeing ryan wank off isn't going to make me go and do 50 reps
0: well it depends what you're (laughs) repping
1: i guess so (laughs) okay now i'm interested (laughs) and that's as far as we get with that
0: right? and isn't the job, well it's a social media job
1: he's to manage their social media
0: right, yeah and also isn't the gym in Manchester was it which is just like basically where where they are are? I was really confused by that because he started to sound like he has to leave to do this it's like you don't even have to leave your house to be a social media manager my friend (laughs)
1: I don't know if they said where it was, but either way, okay, fine. we right. We filled Friday's episode to its forty-four right. minutes long. Well,
0: this is going to be obviously going to become a larger thing. When right. Daisy finds out he might be moving away and freaks out and tries to get him to stay. Right. And then Daniel finds out and kills
1: him. <laughs> and then Crystal says something that I don't understand. Maybe she's happy. Maybe she's not. Right. Who knows? After
0: Daniel murders Ryan.
1: Still not sure why I can't understand that accent. I, I was... really
0: don't know why because I can understand her perfectly. Is it
1: the pitch of her voice? I don't know. Maybe she's just tuning exactly into Martinatus. Who knows?
0: Well, it's like... At this point, when I watch people with British or Irish accents, they sound American to me now. Everybody sounds American to me now because I'm just used to hearing so many different accents. It all just kind of my brain just filters everything into American, right? Which is especially confusing with Irish people because remember your little YouTube Irish man who talks about murder.
1: (laughs) That chapter, yes.
0: Yes, I was insistent that he was an american he isn't he's not he's irish maybe he's noel
1: oh (laughs) so he should be running this gym social media maybe because that guy's a youtube legend yes all right let's move on to our final storyline tonight which is merry fake christmas everybody or not Gemma is popping her happy pills getting ready for the big shop for the fake Christmas next week I thought it was next week it's not it's this week Chesney is worried how they will afford two Christmases Paul is dying shut
0: up Chesney
1: he leaves and Joseph comes down the stairs complaining of feeling sick again and Gemma is unsure what to do now So Gemma meets up with Bernie in the bistro, who is thinking about getting Paul an air horn for Christmas. Gemma, though, is still worried about (laughs) Joseph and resolves to ring Ches about it, but when she looks at her phone, she's missing calls from him and the school. How very fucking hell. Back home, Chesney has brought Joseph out of school, reckoning it's a virus, and a bit pissed off at Gemma for sending him to school in the first place. Shut up, Chesney! Because he had to go and pick him up. And he's lost hours at the kebab shop.
0: Shut up, Chesney!
1: He only objects, keeping him home when there's fuck all wrong with him. Gemma reckons that she's the worst mum. She can't do right for doing wrong. Chesney doesn't reckon her happy pills are doing the job because Gemma isn't particularly happy. Seems he's been telling nurses and people at school that Gemma isn't coping well at the moment, what with everything that's on her plate. Gemma is fucking furious.
0: As she should be. And
1: storms out. So Paul and Gemma go to see Chesney later and they assess how everything is fucked up for everyone. Joseph's ill, says Bernie, and Gemma isn't going mad for believing him. Chesney is still worried that Gemma can't cope, so Bernie promises to have a word. So Paul and Bernie find Gemma in Nina's roles. Paul insists that she looks after herself and Bernie suggests meditation. Paul says Joseph and the quads are going to be fine and he advises that she listens to the doctors and nurses. So back home, Gemma is meditating, which means she's going... Um, Joseph is feeling better, he says, which allows Chesney to have a go at Gemma for getting it wrong again.
0: Right, and for humming.
1: Gemma looks on at Joseph with concern while Chesney goes for a bath to try and get the kebab reek out of his skin. This is a thing that we need to remember. See, every time Chesney's been an asshole at Gemma, uh-huh. as he's doing it, he's stinking of kebabs. <laughs> the man is It's const- just like, a walking clove of garlic and
0: also she ran him a bath before he even got there because she's like oh there's a bath run you can go get in it So there's, it's like wait a second there's lots
1: of cold water upstairs there's for you there's tepid
0: water upstairs that I'm assuming <laughs> Gemma had run for herself for after the meditation but she's letting Chesney sit in the tepid water instead because she's a nice person
1: in the hope that he'll fucking drown <laughs> On Wednesday, Gemma is preparing for Friday's early Christmas by using Chesney's decorations that he got cheap at the market. She thinks Joseph is still under the weather, but Chesney is sick to his tits about talk of Joseph being ill. Later, Gemma and Bernie are chatting about Paul and Christmas and Joseph. Gemma is worried about it all, particularly Joseph who isn't sleeping. Bernie recommends lavender and directs her to a box that she brought over yesterday, giving her instructions on how to infuse it. Tastes like shite, but works like a charm.
0: Infuse Let's all remember that
1: So Joseph is on the couch later when Gemma gives him one of Bernie's lavender teas Joseph takes a sip And throws it down He can't stand it But we've, I think we've presumed that he finishes it
0: Well no, he takes one sip And he puts it down mm-hmm. And he can't drink anymore And also, nobody has infused anything She's just put Five drops in something Five drops
1: later let's
0: remember five
1: chesney picks up a horrid pink christmas tree i love it Gemma can't believe that they got it so cheap i want it she enthusiastically starts to decorate it when joseph comes down the stairs he's puked up all over his bed and complains about his stomach and then he collapses dead (laughs)
0: lots of puking this week
1: after the break he's not dead anymore but he's still complaining about his stomach Chesney's on the phone for an ambulance while Gemma usefully mops Joseph's brow, deciding that he's clammy. This is the worst he's been in a while, and Joseph pukes in a basin. Lovely stuff. So at the hospital, Ches is made of apologies. Why didn't he fucking listen to Gemma when he had the chance? Gemma tells him not to blame himself, And Joseph is getting the attention that he needs. So Bernie arrives just as the doctor comes to announce the results of the tests. Joseph has been poisoned. Dum-dum-dum. But they can't tell by what or when. But the doc thinks it must have been something drunk rather than eaten. Gemma remembers a lavender drink. Bernie points out that it's a natural product and fucks off home to bring the box for the doc to have a look at. Mm -hmm. Well, way Gemma and Chesney talk about ignoring the signs and Chesney still beating himself up in the face with a brick about it. Nice. When Bernie comes back with the lavender stuff, Gemma realises that it wasn't what she gave Joseph. She's brought in tea, and Gemma gave him the oil and hot water. Chesney rushes off to tell the doctor that Joseph has ingested essential oils by mistake.
0: Instead of tea.
1: And Gemma's devastated. He took one sip of it.
0: Right, and there were five drops in a big massive cup. But also, this is Gemma. Gemma knows what tea looks like. She does. And she's also Bernie's child, so she's been used to lots of crystals and herbs and shit her whole life. Right. You're telling me that the daughter of Bernie Winter doesn't know the difference between tea and essential oils?
1: Mm. She's very tired. Still. So now it's her turn to beat herself up. The doc is happy now they can treat it, and they reckon that Joseph will be fine. Jim apologises to Chesney, but he wants to go and get fresh air to get away from her. She insists it was an accident, but Chesney doesn't seem to believe her. And when he realises how his stupid face must look, and remember, he's stinking like kebabs at this.
0: And he does have a stupid face.
1: He backtracks, blames his reaction on him being tired. She thinks that he thinks she poisoned him on purpose. He calls her paranoid, and she's about to storm off at this when a nurse tells him that they can go and sit with Joseph. So they sit with him for a while, and the doctor comes to tell him that he'll be staying in overnight because they want to know exactly how this poisoning happened, and they're concerned that they have quads at home and drank stuff that shouldn't have been that should have been kept safe. Chesney for one stands up for Gemma, calling it a mistake and not something that generally happens.
0: Right. The, yeah.
1: The doctor apologizes and insists that Joseph is his priority. So the doctor goes, leaving Gemma as distraught as ever. Chesney insists that he thinks that she's a great mum, but outside the doctor is speaking with a social worker. Explaining that Gemma That's the one is the right one there. who poisoned Joseph, and the woman asks to see dates and times. So on Friday, <clears throat> Joseph is still waiting to be discharged. Chez wants to get home to get the early Christmas organised, but Gemma's heart's not really in it anymore. Chez talks around just as Joseph wakes up, feeling better and keen to get to the early Christmas, so Gemma leaves them both to get the wheels in motion for that. Paul and Billy are ready for their early Christmas by getting fucked on eggnog.
0: And also, Billy is wearing a Happy Birthday Jesus sweater. Yes, he is. So perfect. I love that sweater.
1: And in the roles, Gemma is still worried that Joseph is sick for other reasons, but Bernie thinks the doctors would have picked up on it by now. Meanwhile, at the hospital, Joseph and Ches are ready to leave when the doctor and Caitlin from the child protection team show up. She was the woman from yesterday. She has concerns about the number of times Gemma has brought random children into the hospital. Ches says Gemma is a wonderful mum and that Bertie thing was ages ago and that time Gemma put one of the quads in the washing machine was a hallucination and that didn't even happen.
0: Shut up, Chesney!
1: (laughs) Yeah, shut up, Chesney.
0: (laughs) Fucking hell.
1: So, she's brought Joseph into the hospital...
0: A couple of times.
1: Three times now, I think. Yeah. There was once that we didn't see. Right. And there was once that we did see... Right, and now there's this. Yeah, and then Bertie months ago.
0: Right, and that's it.
1: So this feels like nothing heavy-handed by by the hospital here. Just
0: a wee bit, and also, like we don't hear this happen. And this is one of those frustrating things that keeps happening on the show where people explain themselves poorly mm. by just saying things like, "No, she's a good mum. She would never do that." Instead of saying, "Look." Her mum recommended lavender. It was in a box with the essential oils. They both said lavender on them. She just accidentally picked up the wrong thing. Right. If you explained it like that, there would be no problem.
1: Right. At the Quad House, Christmas has come early when Paul and Billy arrive. The place looks like an elf sweatshop. Dev turns up in his elf suit. And doesn't explain that he was already dressed like that in another storyline anyway. <laughs> and there's an accident with a tree that didn't spot, which Dev and Billy quickly fix.
0: Right, yes. Um one of the quads, cause cause Dev tosses a ball, an elf ball, at one of the quads, and then one of the quads lobs it at Bernie's head. <laughs> Bernie freaks out and she falls over the tree. Because if there's one thing this show loves, it's women of a certain age under a tree.
1: Was Rita there? Was <laughs> she under the tree? I hope so.
0: No, it's just Bernie. Tree time. fixed,
1: then everyone seems to be having fun in a Dickensian sort of way. Paul has lovely memories of Christmas and resolves to make more today. Good luck with that. Yeah, seriously. And Bernie has a special present for Paul to remind him of his worst Christmas when he didn't get a must have toy. It's a techno robot dog from 2019. Paul is made up. The adults are pulling crackers later while the kids are crawling around unsupervised, sticking forks into power outlets. But at
0: least there's four of them this time.
1: Gemma tells a joke, so Paul laughs, which can be recorded for his book thing. And it wasn't a funny joke. Chesney and Joseph finally got home, not exactly looking to be in the party spirit, and they've brought child protection with them. (laughs) She had questions for Gemma and Joseph. So Gemma takes Joseph and this Caitlin woman to Billy's. And maybe they'll finish the tiling in the kitchen while they're at it. At <laughs> Billy's Gemma explains that she's never deliberately hurt any child, which kind of suggests that she's accidentally done it a lot.
0: Right, yeah. And, and again, without very specifically explaining what happened.
1: Right. But Caitlin suggests that she deliberately poisoned Joseph to prove that the doctors were wrong. Gemma re- rejects this and is shocked by the insinuation, and she wants to know who's accused her. Caitlin says her number one priority is Joseph, and this sort of thing does happen. And again, by asking who's accused her, she's, it makes her sound guilty. Right. In the courthouse, no one is in the mood for celebrating while Gemma is away. Dev suggests a game of charades or maybe getting leathered. Bernie is shocked that he still wants to continue the Christmas thing and wonders if things could be worse. And then she remembers she's going to jail tomorrow. <laughs> Speaking with Chesney and Joseph... Caitlin recommends that Gemma leaves the family home while the investigation continues and any contact that she has with the kids is going to have to be supervised. Gemma's furious, but Caitlin says that if she doesn't comply, then the kids will go into care. I so, thought, holy shit, this has gone from 0 to 100 really quick, hasn't it?
0: It's just a wee bit. And also, she has interviewed Gemma. She has interviewed Joseph.
1: And Jake. And Jack. (laughs) And Jacob. And Jeremy. Jeremy? (laughs) Jeremy. That's not even a name.
0: (laughs) She's interviewed them both. Yes. She has the reports from the hospital. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What more does she need? That she has to separate this family longer when she is aware that her brother is dying. It's like that judge all over again. Mm -hmm. Why does the show hate this family? Right. Why? Right. What is wrong here? Why? There's no reason why.
1: When we talk about characters who continually have misery piled upon them, like Summer did last year or earlier this year. And
0: Amy, every other week. And Amy
1: continually. It's... It feels like it's nothing compared to what Gemma has to go through.
0: Right. And the whole family.
1: It's it's constant. It is. So I posted on Twitter next week on Coronation Street, the show just leaves Gemma the fuck alone for once. Right. But that's not going to happen because no. is going to go to jail next week.
0: And Paul will we, eventually we die.
1: And Paul's going to die.
0: Right. And Gemma can't see her kids.
1: Jesus. So Gemma calms down. Moves in with Billy and Paul in Summer. Joseph is worried that he'll go into care, but Chesney says that he'll sort it all out. Joseph worries it's all his fault, but Gemma says it's down to her. Chesney says it's not Gemma's fault, but notably, he doesn't take responsibility. Yep. Back at the Quad House, Caitlin explains to lay the land... And then the cheeky shit goes and makes herself a cup of tea in right. the house.
0: Yeah, she's like, I'm just going to go make a cup of and, and clang pots around really loudly in the kitchen yeah, well, try while not you to, get to say your goodbyes. Try
1: not to poison yourself, you bitch. Bernie is furious, but Chesney suggests that they let the social services do their job and then they can all get back to normal. And Gemma agrees. Billy says Gemma can stay at theirs, which is just as well because Gemma's already moved her stuff in. Later, Bernie thinks this has been the worst fake Christmas ever. Jezny thinks they always come through hard times stronger, which seems to be wishful thinking. Paul does his best to cheer his mum up and Dev gives her a big sloppy kiss on the cheek and Bernie smiles. Yeah. And so everyone smiles. Paul
0: is a dick telling his mother to smile. Fuck you, Paul. (laughs) You're dying and your sister is losing her kids and your mum's going to jail tomorrow. She has nothing to smile about. Right. It's like you're saying to your mum, smile. You're prettier when you smile. And I don't care if you are dying. You never say that to a woman. How dare you, Paul? How
1: very dare you? At the God Flat, Gemma lies out on the couch, looks at her orange wedding photographs, distraught at the possibility of not getting to see the kids. And that's how we end this week's episodes.
0: And Paul offers to let her sleep with him and put Billy on the couch, which is just so
1: funny. And god I was like so pleased when that turned out not to be a thing because next you know the social worker's going to find out that uh, gemma has been sleeping with her brother.
0: That's not no that's that's
1: I know it's fine. It's
0: fine. But
1: the way that the social worker is going to hear that is not going to be fine.
0: It was a very sweet gesture but it was nice that you know she said, you know, I've I've already I already can't sleep with my husband now. So I don't want to break up your couple, your happy family either. But it was just, yeah, leave these people alone. Leave these people alone. I mean,
1: I guess the social work do get involved when things like this happen. And investigations like this probably do happen. I don't think that they happen with the amount of interaction that this family has had with the for the hospital recently. Right. But I I guess it does happen.
0: Right. But when explained correctly about how such an accident can happen, and also this is the only time that they have any idea that Gemma may have possibly medicated this child. Mm -hmm. And that doctor that they had this time around had no idea that Gemma had brought... Joseph, in before you know, Gemma kind of steps in it by saying, Well, at least now you guys are doing something about this. This has been going on for a while. And the doctor's like, What are you talking about? And that's when he looks it up and it's like, Oh, maybe this woman is poisoning this child on purpose. But Bernie brings in the tea, they explain he wasn't feeling well, so I was supposed to give him this. But I accidentally gave him that. It was a easy mix-up.
1: And plus it was one sip of five drops in the big mug.
0: Right. Yeah. And he's fine now. He did
1: briefly die, though.
0: That was weird. <laughs> when he just kind of collapses and it's doesn't respond. Loses
1: consciousness.
0: Very quickly.
1: Bless his heart. I do I just, love Joseph.
0: And just falls back.
1: Just so sick of having Chesney as a dad the smell of garlic is uh, just unbelievable but hopefully this social worker is going to speak to one of joseph's teachers right because they sent him home
0: right because he wasn't yeah a number of times because he wasn't feeling well and speak to other people who know that Gemma is a good mom and would never poison her child she spoke to joseph doesn't she? Th- I would assume that if Joseph is telling basically the same story that Jem is telling, then it proves she didn't do it on purpose.
1: But it's a weird kind of thing for the um for, the, for the show to insist that the hospital stance is this that if if you're not satisfied with the care that your child has got right don't make too much of a big deal about it or and we're don't going bring to back, send
0: child services oh, at you Or we'll you. take
1: that child off you
0: right yeah
1: that's a really weird weird position to take
0: right but you know again it's kind of like that judge for bernie who's like i'm aware you're dying sir and may not even have six weeks much less six months to live but i'm still throwing your mom down for this this essentially victimless crime for, for taking
1: money off big garth in public right yes but remember that the nurse had a problem when joseph was taken to the hospital the first time yeah because she had to go at, at chesney about it we we're very busy
0: right yeah fuck you you're poor we don't want to see your kid and also think about how many times summer has been in the hospital all of them are in the hospital. The year about Uh, things about things going wrong with her diabetes if any child should be taken off their parent it's summer
1: yeah she fainted four times and went to hospital each time i think
0: right every single time somebody needs to look into billy
1: yeah do you think dev's going to wear his elf outfit forever now no i think the glasses make it
0: it's gonna come back at christmas time though yeah it's the makeup that kind of confuses me more than anything. <laughs> Why is he wearing makeup to be an elf?
1: Well, he's wearing rosy cheeks. Elves have got to have rosy cheeks.
0: Yeah. It's not the rosy cheeks I'm questioning.
1: What, what on earth are you insinuating?
0: Let's wrap this up.
1: Well, that was the week that was Coronation Street then. Well. Tell me, Helen, what was your moment of the week?
0: You know, I kind of feel like it's George and Liam.
1: I think so, too. Yeah, I think so, too. I thought it was a lovely scene. Right. And it was nice to see the two of them together for a change. And George just speaks to the kid so well. And it's obvious what he's doing. Right. But he still does it in a really nice way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't talk down to Liam. He, you know, he apologizes, you know, for being presumptuous and talking to him about this. It's it's a very it's a it's almost a grown up conversation between the two of them. Yep. I think George handles himself very well. And I think Liam has been you know, I hate the storyline so much, but I think out of all of the kids, Liam has been the best as far as processing it mm-hmm. in in a way. And I know it's not easy to process these things as a child actor. Right. I think he's been doing a very
1: good job. I think so too. And I think this is really the first main storyline that he's been given he had that asthma thing but that was really more a Maria story than it was a Liam story funnily enough but this is I think he's doing a good job with a bad storyline
0: yes yeah
1: that is our moment
0: of the the week our moment of the week
1: and your boring moment of the week Brian (laughs) Scarf the zooming in on Brian Scarf is our
0: boring moment
1: of the week What's your score out of 10 this week? It was, this it was better, better this than week. last week. Mm-hmm, absolutely, I agree.
0: It's still got the stupid bullying storyline, though, and also just this constant, constant just hammering of the winter family winter, for no reason. The
1: winter browns. Yeah. Which sounds like <laughs> diarrhea in poop December.
0: in the snow. It <laughs> it's when you poop in the snow. But... But uh, Paul and and Bernie are just winters. Yeah. So that's why I say winters. Because nobody cares about Chesney. But, yeah, I just, maybe a five?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking a five as well. Yeah. Kind of down the down the line. There's some yeah. good stuff in it, but yeah, a lot of storylines that we either don't care about or actively hate. Yes. So I think a five, it's doing quite well. Mm-hmm. This episode was brought to you with thanks to our friends of the podcast. So Daisy, many. French Helen, Pickles, DT, Trisha, Wendy, Noel, Canadian Helen and Christy. If you've ever lost your scarf in a cafe, write in to let us know about it. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Cory podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads and blue sky. You can shoot me and Helen a coffee or become a friend of the podcast by heading to cofi.com. That's kato-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the out some fabulous content for links from YouTube channel. And if you've like learned please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. And be sure to check out our pop culture sister podcast, The List of Lists. Yay! Thanks for making it to the end of another episode, and we will be back next week with more. I talk of the street. The talk of the street.
0: Bye. Cheerio.